20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome back to another edition of Packers Therapy on the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow her at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can follow him at Alex underscore Strofe. We were excited to be talking about Packers 2-0 going into the fourth quarter. It looked like we were very much going to be talking about the Packers being 2-0 and the Lions being 1-1, the Bears being 0-2, the Vikings being 0-2, and the King of the North, Green Bay Packers. And then life happened, which it often does when you are dealing with a young and inexperienced football team, and the Packers lose to the Atlanta Falcons on the road 25-24, A semi-entertaining game that Green Bay, as I mentioned, had the lead for, kind of choked it, not kind of choked it away, choked it away at the end. And as I mentioned, this is going to be, um, you know, one of those learning experiences. But Alex Strofe, actually, I want to start with you. Screw you, Perry. I'm just kidding. Alex, I want to start with you. How are you doing? And you're like the ultimate, like, gut reaction expert on the Pack-A-Day podcast. So let's, let's hear it. Let's just regurgitate it out. Get everything off your chest. Yeah, well, calling me an expert on anything is a joke, but I appreciate that. I'm not a big fan of moral victories, but I feel like there are a couple today, right? You lose your top whoa, whoa, whoa. four. You're going to be positive? I am. I'm yeah. so excited. <laughs> I, I anticipated myself feeling a lot worse, and I really don't. Um, you're missing your top four guys outside of Jordan Love on offense. Obviously, Elton Jenkins goes down here without Bach, Jones, and Watson. And I thought the offense, especially in the in the middle quarters, quarter two and quarter three, looked good. Um, defensively, I'm going to be really negative. Uh, you can't blow a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter. You just can't do that. Uh, Bijan Robinson did his best Raheem Mostert impression on Sunday. He's a really good back. And the Packers aren't going to see backs of his level throughout the season, but also we didn't think Raheem Mostert was, it was a great back when he ran for four touchdowns a couple of years ago. So I, I feel optimistic offensively, defensively. I, I thought I was going to have faith in Joe Barry after last week. I thought this was going to be a rebound season for him. I've, I've thrown that completely out the window, but overall, I actually don't feel as bad as maybe I should uh, following a one point loss. I think there was, there was, there was things that made me left me feeling optimistic uh, after the one point loss, but the defense got ran all over again. This is the same old story, even with more investment level and uh, 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 what we thought was a different scheme and a better defense didn't look that way in the second half, but uh, offensively putting up 24 points without those guys. I think you feel okay about that. You feel really good about Jaden Reed. There's questions about AJ Dillon. Uh, he tripped over himself. Three times, four times, five times. And, Andy, you rewatched it. I, I I haven't yet, and I don't know if I want to. But uh, overall, I feel okay. That's that's my gut reaction. All right, Perry Goldstein, have at it. Regurgitate your thoughts. My gut reaction. I also feel like not as upset about such a one point loss as I think I necessarily would have, and I think it's just that I give this team so much leash. I guess in these early games, like. There are going to be a lot of just like this is this is your all rookie team. I mean, this is this is Jordan Love and a bunch of rookies. And I think I'm most disappointed in the vets uh, on the on this team right now in A.J. Dillon, in a lot of the guys on the defensive side of the ball, because you expect them to be able to step up in these like big moments when they're needed and they didn't. But when it comes to like 
overall losing by one on the road against what looks like a, you know, up and coming Falcons team with a lot of really great weapons. All right. Um, I feel similarly about the defense to Alex again, like there's just more talent, more vet. They've been together for now three seasons and it's the same story of them just getting gashed on the ground for three, four or five yards like per carry and not really being able to adjust or change what they're doing. And the Falcons were able to do in the second half, I think whatever they wanted to do. Um, They didn't make Desmond Ritter beat them through the air, which probably would have been like my game plan trying to get Desmond Ritter to throw the ball. And when he did, they were, they could have had two interceptions that they didn't have. And it just like, I think all around just wasn't like a good team win. I don't think I can point to one singular thing and be like that, you know, like the defense should have been able to stop the run, but B. John Robinson is amazing back, but also the offense didn't do um, the many favors by going three and out back to back drives. So it's just like all around. And I think Andy, you said it because I listened to your live after the game is it just like was bad complimentary football, right? It was just all around like a lot of guys just didn't step up and make plays when they needed to. Um, So I feel like this, because it was a winnable game, I actually feel better about the loss. If they had gotten like blown out on the road and didn't look at all like the team we saw against the bears, I'd be like, okay, this is going to be maybe a roller coaster. I don't know who this team is, but they looked like themselves. They just unfortunately couldn't finish off a fourth quarter game. And I think that's just going to happen when you have a young team. So unfortunate. Yeah, you put it very well in a variety of different ways. I'm relatively optimistic following two games. Uh, I I definitely agree with that. Um, I I think disappointing is the right word because of the situation that they were in. They're up 24-12 going into the fourth quarter on the road, missing so many players, had all the momentum in their favor. After that love to Jaden Reed touchdown, it felt like, you know, that the Falcons were potentially going to have to get a little bit one-dimensional, maybe throwing the ball a little bit more. Green Bay just never got him uncomfortable. And, you know, I, I look at this, I, I think they've played seven pretty good quarters of football. I think the fourth quarter was abysmal on all phases. On offense, the fourth mm-hmm. quarter was three and out, three and out, four and out. That's not good enough in a close game. On defense, the fourth quarter was eight plays, 75 yards, touchdown, eight plays, 44 yards, field goal, 12 plays, 66 yards, game-winning field goal. That's not good enough. And... A lot of times as a very young and mostly inexperienced team in the NFL, you have to learn how to win in the NFL. You have to learn how to win close games in the NFL. You have to learn how to come from behind in the NFL. When you have those moments at the end, when you go down, then your offense has the opportunity to go and score a game when you field goal and they couldn't, they, they go four and out and you have to learn how to overcome adversity in the NFL. Those are four things that when you are a young football team and you're going through it, it's, It's nice to face the Bears week one, get a big victory on the road. It's nice to be up 24-12 against the Falcons going into the fourth quarter. And then reality hits. And a lot of times how you learn those lessons, unfortunately, when you are a young team is through those exact moments. Mm -hmm. And Jaden Reed mentioned it after the game. And everything I heard from all the young players on this team is the right thing. You erase it, you get back to work, and you can have one of two options. You can let it defeat you or you can learn from it. And I think this team will learn from it. And it sucks that you have to go through those growing pains. Um, But these are growing pains that this team is going to have to go through. Maybe it's better that they go through them early and sooner rather than later. But 
I'm still overall optimistic that this team played seven good quarters. At the end of the third quarter of this game, Packer fans are on top of the world. I mean, again, you you go into Chicago, beat the Bears. You're up 24-12 against the Falcons on the road without Bach, without Watson. Jenkins is out. Jones is out. Rashawn Gary's still on a pitch count. Eric Stokes isn't back yet. You're feeling pretty dang good, and you just have to finish it out. And like I said, I think that's a learning experience, and they're going to have to learn that lesson sooner rather than later. And today apparently was the day that they learned that le- hopefully learned that lesson. Yeah, I mean, we came into the season with the expectation there are going to be games that are doozies. Week two against the Atlanta Falcons was a doozy. That's a game you should have won, as we continue to say. You don't win it. You blow it in the end. You blow a lead, a two-possession lead, up 12. You lose by one. It's just one of those games. And I guess you're right, Andy, I think from an optimistic standpoint, which I rarely am, um, so you should be glad that I am today. I'm glad it happened now, I guess, right? Like uh, these next 10 days, if we're talking from today, Monday, through next Thursday, Thursday night football at Lambeau against Detroit, they're going to be crucial. These are these are two really important games early on in the season, and I think it will really tell us what we know about this team, right? I mean, look how you respond on a short week. Can you beat a team like the Saints, who I think are solid? I think they're a good team. Uh, you look at Detroit, who you're tied with and maybe still will be through three weeks atop the NFC North. These next 10 days are really crucial for figuring out or trying to figure out the identity of the 2023 Packers. But what we know through two weeks is they're young. They're inexperienced. They're, they're, they're all – a lot of these guys are figuring it out. But you've seen some flashes of excellence out of the young guys, specifically uh, uh, in last night's game. Jaden Reed, two touchdowns. Dontavian Wicks looked really good uh, in, in his first, you know, heavy action this week. So I, I think offensive line depth, again, looked pretty good. Jordan Love sacked just once, only two sacks in the year for two weeks. So there are things that you're optimistic about uh, going into two tough games in the next 10 days. Let's, I want to touch on something you said right there first, and then we'll get to kind of our next sure. topic here. But I did feel like, and maybe what was so disappointing about this is you, you brought it up. You, you have now two games ahead of you in the Saints and the Lions that feel crucial again. And if you beat Atlanta and Atlanta, if you come away with a win here, you have a little bit more leeway because now, if, like worst case scenario, if things go really wrong against Detroit and the Saints, you're two and two. Like you can still bounce back. You go to Vegas. You got a bye week after that. OK, like things are OK. Um, and if you go one and one, you're three and one. You're feeling really, really good. Maybe you lose to the Lions or something like that, but that's okay. You're three and one after four games. And if you go two and oh, you're four and oh, you're on top of the world. And now it's like if you go two and oh in these games, you're still feeling really good. You're three and one um, on top of the NFC North unequivocally. So you, you feel great about that. But you go one and one, you're at 500, which is right around the sort of baseline expectation of where this team was expected to be. I think these are going to be two difficult games. And now if you go 0-2, you're 1-3, and that has a totally different connotation to it. So I do feel like that's why that's it's disappointing is because this, this win would have potentially baked in a little bit of different expectations over the course of the next two games than what we're staring at right now. But all you can do is take it one game at a time. Um, Perry, anything to add to that before we move on to our next topic? All right, fair enough. Let, let's, let's be pessimistic for a moment because I know – we are Packers therapy here a little bit. I know there's a lot of you know, angst and frustration around Packerland. So let's go over what went wrong in this game because there is some significant stuff. Let, let's just let's just get it out of the way to start. Let's talk about the defense. Let's talk about Joe Barry. This th- this to me was the exact. If you're going to bring Joe Barry back for a third season, this is the exact game where he has to prove himself to me. Your offense is beat up. 
They put up enough points. It's 24 points. It's not a great performance, but it's a, it should be a good enough performance to win, especially when you're up 24 to 12 in the fourth quarter. The Falcons are fine. You know, Bijan Robinson, really good player. Drake London, solid. Kyle Pitts, they mostly took away from the game. He didn't have a, a monster game. Their offensive line is fine. Desmond Ritter is going to be one of the worst quarterbacks, in my opinion, that they faced through the course of the season. Their offense is fine. They did some nice things. But this is the game where if you want to prove why you were brought back for a third season, go out and make sure that your defense is doing the heavy lifting. And his defense could not do that. They allowed Bijan Robinson, the one player that you couldn't let beat you, beat you. You wanted to make Desmond Ritter beat you. You couldn't do that. You wanted to stop the run. They had 200 and a million yards um, on 45 carries. They completely dominated time of possession. You made them punt once. Now, this isn't Joe Barry's fault, but you dropped two interceptions. Yep. Like this is the sort of performance that if you want to prove like, Hey, I, I was the right guy to bring back for a third season. This is it. And if you wanted to prove that, Hey, you're not just the same Joe Barry that we saw in Washington, that we saw in Detroit, that we saw for the first two seasons in green Bay, follow up the or the, the bears performance with a performance in Atlanta that was worthy of it. This wasn't, I don't know what the game plan was. I don't know what they're like trying to take away in this game, unless it was Kyle Pitts, which I guess they kind of did. It just, it just was not good enough. It wasn't good enough. My biggest issue is that it was, it's the same old story, right? If, if the Falcons had just come out with this like incredible game plan, or if Drake London just decided to have his like shining bright moment as this like young budding wider like okay you know what I mean like okay fine but it was once again the Packers getting gashed just like dinked and dunked down the field not even like Andy you said it before we started recording like not even like Bijan didn't even have like a break off run for like 50 yards you know Tyler Algiers didn't do anything crazy I thought Bijan had like one really nice um catch and run for like I think it was 24 yards and that he just like wasn't covered at all. Um, yeah. And, 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 but like you have, it's again, it's like that Dalvin cook game that I always go back to where he had like, he's your only player you have to cover. And yet he still is running all over you. And it's like, you go into this game and you know, everyone and their mother knows you, the Falcons are going to run the ball down your throat and you're going to have to stop them. And he talked up and this defense talked up how they're going to have this new, like, run defensive scheme this year that they're not going to be the same guys that they were the year before and yet here they are the exact same it's just like it's their achilles heel and i just don't know how much more talent you can give this defense before you say it has to be the coordinator and again like some of these guys kenny clark was playing with his hair on fire tonight like or last night you know it's just there are players who are making plays like rasul douglas but then there are guys who just I don't know, as a whole, there's something about this defense as a whole that something just like breaks down. I think the perfect example was the non Mac Collins touchdown. Like they just kind of let the play end, stopped playing. And luckily Mac Collins was out of bounds. Like, I just think they just kind of like stopped playing because they thought they finished it and they didn't finish the play. And that just felt like the perfect example of what went wrong. Yeah, yeah. One thing, real quick. I, I think you both summed it up perfectly in, in response to each of you. So Perry, on that, on that kind of dump off to Bijan, where he went, I think you said for 24, 25 yards, whatever it was. I was watching the game with my grandpa and my dad, and I literally said to them out loud, "What you just said? 
That's the one guy you should have circled and covered at all times, right? And there was nobody around him. He just had to walk up the sideline for, for, for 25 yards. Uh, Andy, you started your, your beautiful soliloquy with something around the lines of 24 points should be enough. It was enough. It was enough. The Packers had this game won, and yeah. the defense blew it. Now, would you have liked to see, you know, like the, the, the QB sneak false start play that I didn't love? I don't really understand that. Maybe one of you can explain it to me. Um, I, I would have liked to, to just see them do something different or maybe that just actually snapped the football. I don't know what happened there. Um, you know, the, the last drive, obviously you only have a minute, no timeouts. Didn't love that drive, but 24 points was enough today. And the defense is, is the main reason they blew it. So uh, response, those are my responses, but curious on your thoughts on what the hell happened with that non QB sneak QB sneak thing. Is that, a, I, I don't know what that was. I want to say one thing though, before that is that the more I think about this, that's actually the worst way to get beat. Because your offense, unfortunately, goes three and out. Guess what? This is a young offense. They're going to have three and outs. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. I'm expecting that. This defense is exhausted. Unfortunately, they have to go back out on that field. And Atlanta knows, well, let's just keep running the ball for five yards. And we're just going to hold the ball and keep making them tired. And then guess what? The Packers offense goes three and out again. That sucks. This defense is still tired and the Falcons just continue to get the advantage by doing the same thing because this defense is tired and they can't stop anything. And it just is such a downward spiral that we watched happen in the fourth quarter. And I don't want to put it on the offense, but I also have to think like Matt LaFleur, you have to know your defense is exhausted. You have to call something or at least like try to put the ball in Jordan Love's hands. Like that one of the three and outs was three run plays. He didn't even trust his QB. Why? This is a question. If I was in the in the pre post game press conference, I would ask Matt O'Fleur, why didn't you at least give Jordan Love one pass? Like trust your QB to go and at least try to get a first down. That's my biggest question from this game. All right. So a couple things. Um, so many things. Let's cover the QB sneak first. So my understanding of it is you get to the line of scrimmage and you're doing, you're trying to make them jump off sides first. So mm -hmm. they get up with plenty of time on the play clock first and they go out there and they're trying to draw them off sides first. All right. So eventually you get to a point where you've got to decide, are we going to QB sneak it or are we going to just basically let this run out or, and call a timeout or whatever the case may be. So Jordan love has the autonomy at the line of scrimmage to either say, kill, kill, kill. We're like, we're not going to, we're not going to run it here. We're just going to keep trying to draw them off sides or we're actually going to snap the ball and do the QB sneak based on the look that he gets at the line of scrimmage. So it sounds like love gave the wrong call. Like he said, okay. whatever word that he needed to say to actually go through with the QB sneak, he gave the opposite one. Like we're not going to do a QB sneak. And then he, after that did the, the play call, which is why nobody else moved except for Jordan love. So he gave the wrong call. The, the rest of the offense thinks it's just going to keep being hard count to try to get the opposite team to jump off sides. Love thinking he gave the right call goes to do the QB sneak and literally everyone else is just standing around like what the heck just happened. So clearly they got to get that cleaned up. I like, I like the thought. I like the idea of like, Hey, let's try to draw them off sides. And while doing so, see if they like tip their hand as to what they're trying to do from like, are they trying to stop a QB sneak? Is there a hole that we can run through? And if you see it, then give the word and we're going to go and we're going to try to pick up that one yard. I like the idea. You got to sure. execute it. Otherwise it makes you look really, really stupid when something like that happens. So that's something they have to get cleaned up. All right, Perry, the second part of that. So not giving Jordan love the opportunity. First of all, uh, 
Malafleur in his press conference basically said as much like he regretted not getting Jordan the ball more in more opportunities in those situations to do something. Now to his defense, I think Dylan gets seven yards, six or seven. I think he's like seven yards on the first carry on like first and 10. So you're second and three. And then remember you're, you're in the lead. You've got, I don't remember like eight, maybe eight minutes left in the game. So you, you're kind of trying to do your like five, six minute offense of trying to run the clock out. You're second and three. So you, your run offense hasn't really done a whole lot all game. So let's get them another carry and let's see if we can get this to a first and 10 and get to another set of downs. So they go second, uh, second down run and second and three, which I don't hate. They get it. Then they get two yards on the play or maybe it was second and four and they get three yards on the play, whatever it leads it to be third and one. And then that's the point where we'll talk about AJ Dillon in just a moment. You have to pick that up. That's not I like to me, that's not a Matt LaFleur that had to be picked up. No question about it. That, that was a, a winning play call to get the first down and the players didn't execute. So I, I understand his, his thinking there. You've got to run the clock and you've got to try to get pick up first downs in second and four or second and three and third and one, not bad running downs, but you got to be able to execute. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, at some point, the only thing that was working all game was your passing offense. Your running game never worked in that game. So I can also understand the opposite side of, hey, maybe get the ball to Jordan Love. There, go ahead. I... I just think if Aaron Jones is in that game, they win. Like, this is – I'm just with and, – and I don't mean that, and I was like, oh, he's, you know, one of their best weapons. I mean, just, like, you replace A.J. Dillon, even if they had put, like, Emmanuel Wilson or Patrick Taylor, someone. I just – I don't know what's up with A.J. Dillon right now, but you are a 250-pound back. You need to be able to get third and one converted to a first town, period. I have no excuses for you any longer. You are, you were drafted for one purpose and it was to be a put your pads down, drag guys down the the field. And we saw him do it a little bit in this game, but like you can't trip over your feet on a third and one, a crucial down. Like you just can't, you let your team down. I'm really, I'm, 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 I'm very low on him right now. Let's let's, let's jump to that. Cause we, we covered the the Joe Barry portion. I think that the two, you know, Public enemies one and two out of this game are Joe Barry and AJ Dillon. I don't think mm-hmm. there's any question about that. I think if anyone's and maybe Matt Lafleur is on that list, we'll talk about a, a, that a second. I, I'm less inclined to that belief. I, I'm more inclined to the Joe Barry AJ Dillon. I'm, I mentioned in the the post game chat, so I'm not going to go through it again. And I think I mentioned it last week too. But at some point, as a running back, you've got to, which PlayStation controller move in Madden do you have at your disposal? You got the stiff arm, you got the spin move, you got the juke, you got the turbo boost, you got the truck stick. Which one do you have at your disposal? And the answer for AJ Dillon is, is he has none. He doesn't have any of those at his disposal. If you block everything up perfect for him and you get one-on-one with a linebacker or a safety, he cannot make that person miss. He's not going to get by that person. And that's not good enough, first of all. So that's, that's number one. Number two, do you have any idea how good in this league you have to be as a running back if you're a non-explosive player? If you're not going to get, if you have no opportunity to get the 40, 50, 60, 70 yard runs, in that little intermediate range, because your your high end range is like an 18 yard run. That's basically your high, unless everything goes perfectly. Your high end range is like an 18 yard run. Do you have any idea how great you have to be at everything else to make up for the fact that you don't have that explosivity in your you know wheelhouse? You have to be great at pass protection. Check. I will give him that. Very good at pass protection. You probably have to give something as like a hey, you can swing them out wide and like do something as a pass catcher. He does not have that. You've got to be great in short yardage. He doesn't have that. You've got to be great in red zone. You don't have that. There's not any of those things that you can point other than pass pro, which is fine. 
it's an it's a important thing to have, but that you can't you could can put that that's what like with John Kuhn when he was on the team, you just put a fullback back there. If all you need is pass pro, you can find somebody else to do that. You can line up Josiah Deguara in the backfield. I don't know that's any different. Like, so that that's number two on this. Number three, and I'm gonna keep going here because I'm it's worthwhile. What in what situation right now? In what situation do you want AJ Dillon on the field? Because it's not in pass catching. You could say that it's like, all right, well, we just talked about he's in, he's good in pass pro. So is Patrick Taylor. Patrick Taylor's a phenomenal yeah. pass protector. And I like him more as a runner. I like him more as a receiver. So I don't necessarily, like if, if it's a third down situation, and certainly Aaron Jones, if it's a third down situation, at least the defense has to be cognizant. And obviously if you have Aaron Jones, I get that. They didn't in this game. But at least like other players, you have to be cognizant of what they can do in the passing game. Hell, line up Jaden Reed in the backfield and motion him out. At least the defense have to be, has to be cognizant of that. You're not worried if A.J. Dillon's in the backfield. It's not goal line. It's not fourth and short because he's got too much. He's A, he's tripping over his own feet. B, he's got too much body mass in any small crease in the red zone or on third or fourth and long or fourth and short, excuse me. Like he doesn't get those because he's slow to the hole. And then he's too big. He's got too much surface area and he doesn't run people over. So there is, the, it's not your down to down basis. It's not as a number two, because we saw it in week one, Aaron Jones is in the game. Everything's going swimmingly. AJ Dillon comes in and it, you're supposed to be a change of pace. So the, the change of pace is you're going backwards. It's a slower pace. It's not a good pace. So there's not a situation right now where AJ Dillon comes into the game where I'm like, all right, this is AJ Dillon's time. It's just, it's not there. It, there's not it. It doesn't have it. So doesn't have the moveset. Doesn't have the moment that you want him in the game. Like there's, there's just something missing. And um, the, the, the play on third and one where it's, it's him a one-on-one with a linebacker and the linebacker is about a yard below, behind the line of scrimmage at worst case scenario, mm-hmm. at worst case scenario, that's a collision with a 250 pound back with thighs, the size of mountains that if he if he sneezes and falls forward, he gets a first down easily. But he trips over his. Uh, we'll see on the all twenty two. Maybe an offensive lineman tripped him up or something. I don't know. I didn't. You can only see the sideline view on the the replays or whatever. I I don't even care because we saw it last week. Josiah Aguara, the foot's there. Like find you. Every other running back finds a way to navigate that stuff, and he just hasn't. The contact balance isn't good enough. The regular balance isn't good enough. The speed. The bur- I'm, I'm, I'm going on here, but you get the point. I'm curious, Andy. I mean, you said it, so you have to see the all 22, but like whether the blocking for him was better this week than it was last week. Cause I know that was like kind of a caveat people were making, like it wasn't blocked up well last week, or at least the run blocking was inconsistent, but it felt like he had holes. And especially in that third and one situation, which is the one we're focused on right now. Cause it obviously like meant the game. Yeah. He had all of the, like, all of the room, at least I saw it. Same with the play that Matt LaFleur had to challenge. He yep. tripped over himself and then was able to leap over because the Falcon didn't touch him. Mm-hmm. But like, it shouldn't even come to that. It should not come to that. And I think you bring up some great points about him. And I hate to harp on this because like we all love AJ Dillon. And I think as like a human, you, he's such a good locker room guy. But like if you're one thing that you're really great at is pass pro like that's third on the list of reasons why I want you on the field if you're a running back like that is like if if you're looking at like a hundred plays I I think you can put Patrick Taylor or Josiah DeGuara or literally any other like special teams offensive player in for for pass pro 
that doesn't like make me want to keep AJ Dillon in as running back too at all. Yeah. Yeah. They they have to start looking at it. No question. Alex, what are you going to say? I was just going to say, I mean, being a fan favorite off the field does not equal getting meaningful snaps and playing time on the field. And I I think Perry, you you mentioned him being a fan favorite and and we all loving him, but uh, Twitter's turning on the guy. I mean, people are, people are pissed and rightfully so it, it was, it was, it's been a rough two weeks for him. And I, I saw that, I think it was a tweet or a graphic or something earlier this week, how AJ Dillon seems to progressively get better throughout the season. September is usually not his month, November and December is there's not a lease for that this year. Um, it, we, we talked all off season about Jones and Dillon being a, a top five, top three, one, two punch in the league. This ain't a one, two punch anymore. When Aaron Jones is healthy, it should be all about Aaron Jones. And today was really disheartening and disappointing because, as you, as you said at the top, Andy, this was a huge prove-it game for both Joe Barry and A.J. Dillon, and both of them failed tremendously. I, I keep going back, Andy, to something you you said all offseason about how this season is such a, like, evaluation year. It's like we get to really take a look. It's it's low stakes, I think. Like, the Packers already, to me, are playing, like, above what I expected in the first two games, right? So, like, we got to take a look at Jordan Love. And so far, I think we're going to get to him. So far, I, I'm very happy. But how about the pieces around him? Like, we are trying to build and build, rebuild this franchise, not to use the, the dreaded R word, but, like, take a look at this franchise and decide who we're going to move forward with, hopefully with this quarterback, in the years to come. And there's so far, there's been tons of good. Like we, we love these young pass catchers. We love Aaron Jones. We can take a look at the defense side of the ball too, as like an evaluator. I think we all agree. Evaluation is they need a new defensive coordinator, but like on offense, you have to take a look at like, what holes are we going to fill that this offense needs moving forward? And like, unfortunately running back two is starting to become one of those things that is going to be, evaluated very heavily over the course of the rest of the season because Matt LaFleur loves his rotation and it's just too stark when Aaron Jones is in versus when AJ Dillon is in. Hello friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA finals and I desperately wanted to go to game six in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane, and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, And of course, they were gone. Goodbye, Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now, thankfully, the day of the game, I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy, you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two clicks only in fact, and tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never need to dig through your email. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means 
It's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing, and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, they made a lot of changes at the playmaker positions. We know Aaron Jones. He, it seems like he's just going to go forever. He's incredible. Um, but outside of that, there's two holdovers from that kind of slower Aaron Rodgers-esque offense that was Alan Lazard, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tunyon, Randall Cobb. There's kind of two holdovers right now. That's A.J. Dillon and Josiah DeGuara. You can tell the difference in speed and playmaking between everyone else that the Packers have on offense and A.J. Dillon and Josiah DeGuara. It's just a full step slower at least. And I think as they continue to migrate into this more playmaking explosive offense with all these fun players, especially once Christian Watson gets back and Aaron Jones gets back, it's just there's not as much leeway for it because you have other players who you can get the ball to and they can make plays happen. And right now those two, it's not DeGuara's less of an issue because he's more of just a complimentary player anyway. You're not giving the ball to him all that much, but there's a difference when you see those two guys get the ball. DeGuara got one today and had like a, a guy to miss and make miss in the open field. And it just wasn't even close. Like the guy just tackled them immediately. It's just like, all right. Um, so yeah, I think that there is an evaluation to be made there. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it's not, it's not good enough. And, and we are to the point now where green Bay has to look at what to do with that number two running back position, because you, you can't just keep doing the same thing. And especially in an evaluation year, it's time to get an evaluation on Emmanuel Wilson. It's time to get an evaluation on Patrick Taylor, see what they can do. And if they can't, then figure something else. There's a lot of running backs you can find. Find them off practice squads, oh, what yeah. you need to do, but don't just keep doing the same thing. I want to run through a few other things really quick, and then I'll let you guys pick out any of the ones that you want to talk about. Here was We're still in the what went wrong category. We'll get to what went right. <laughs> in a second, but just really quick. We talked about the the run defense uh, and, and and really the run offense as well, but that was a huge issue in this game. I felt like from a we we talked about Dylan. I didn't think the run blocking was still good enough in any capacity either. So still something that needs to be looked at there. You had the inconsistency on offense. You look good at times, but other times your offense just looks disjointed. Yep. The delay of game on the field goal is unforgivable, like completely unforgivable. That is, I, I think Matt Lafleur does a, a really good job with game management. Far often than not. This is the second consecutive week. You cannot let 30 seconds roll off on a, you know, in the right before halftime on a two minute drill when you have a timeout at your disposal and just have to end up taking a super long 50 yard field goal because you didn't like notice that the, I don't know what happened in week one with that, that, that was like strike one strike two. You cannot like, how does somebody not recognize that this is going to go from like a 51 yard field goal to a 56 yard field goal. If you let that play clock run down, 
I don't think you want Matt LaFleur giving up play calling, I, I, you know, to focus more on the game management side of things. That's not what you want, but then you need to have, if he can't handle it, he's got to have a game manager right next to him saying like, get somebody who's like the greatest Madden game manager of all time. I don't care what you do, like figure out somebody next to you. That's like, Hey, play clock, play clock, call timeout, call timeout. Because if he can't multitask that, then that that's a big issue. I'm, I'm on strike two. I'm not willing to like go further than that at this point, but that's two fairly significant game management strikes in two weeks. So just of note, um, obviously the fourth quarter was a massive issue. Three long drives for the Falcons offense, three, three and out slash four and outs for the Packers offense. You had the dropped interceptions. Perry, we talked about uncomplimentary football. This is just to like put it into really stark contrast. The Falcons had 78 plays of offense. The Packers had 47. Falcons ran 31 more plays of offense in this game. It's going to be really fun to grade the Packers offense this week because it's not going to take long. It's going to be really awful to grade the Packers defense this week. It's going to take a very long time. The time of possession, 36 minutes, 15 seconds for the Falcons, 23.45 for the Packers. Total yards, 446 for the Falcons, 224 for the Packers. That is skewed a bit because the two big pass interference plays was like 80 yards. So that would have been like 304-ish or somewhere around there if you count those in. But yeah, but four, over 400 yards for the Falcons. Falcons. Yep, 446. Come on. And Ritter didn't even play like that well like through the air. No. Like, so 446. No. So that just t- if you want to talk about complimentary football, the defense could not get off the field. There's only one punt in this game for the Falcons. There's only two drives in this game for the Falcons that were under eight play drives. The first play, uh, the first drive of the first half when they threw the pick to Razul, the first play of the second half when they got the three and out and forced the punt. So defense couldn't get off the field. The offense, when the des- the defense desperately needed you to put a drive together so that they could have a bit of a breather, couldn't get any drives together. They basically only had two drives of any substance in this entire game. Um, even their, their, a couple of the other touchdown drives were really quick ones. And again, those big pass interferences as well. So massive uncomplimentary football. QB sneak was an issue. We talked about that. Bajan Robinson was an issue. We talked about that. Those are the things that went wrong. Anything else that you guys can think of or anything you want to hit on, on that laundry list of items? I feel worse about this game after this episode. It's, we're supposed to be doing Packers yeah. therapy, but I'm bringing both of you down. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to, I do want to say, Andy, I, I think clock management is something we've noticed with Matt LaFleur. I'm like, I give Matt LaFleur like nine stars out of 10. And in that like one star that he's missing, there are just some things where I'm like, why are you taking a timeout here? And yeah, why, why, why? Cause like a lot of people said it on Twitter and, and I think it actually bears like discussing is like, if they had hit that 51 yarder in total points, theoretically they win. I don't actually see it like that ever because that was at the way beginning of the game and they had all the time in the world, right. To make up more. You, you, you can't, you can't think about it that way. It's just like, it can't keep happening over and over again because eventually it is going to get to the point where that three points is going to mean the game or not. I just don't think it was in this instance. And even like we can talk about the butterfly effect after that and everything changes after that point. But, but just about every single person knew that this was probably going to be a one possession game and three points in this game was probably going to be massive. There's a reason that this line was between negative one Packers and plus two Falcons all week long. This was always the game that it was going to be. So yeah, maybe things go differently, you know, after that point, but you ruin three points on a week to week basis with this team. That's going to be in these sort of games. 
you're going to lose more often than not. Those are those maybe at the beginning, like at the beginning of the game, it seems like maybe a minor mistake and you can course correct through the course of the game. But those things add up really, really fast when you have a young inexperienced football team. Um, and it, it can literally cost you wins and losses. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And maybe he, the, the 51 yarder misses, right. And they get it at the like 50, like 45 yard line, any 41 yard line anyway. And they end up with better field position and maybe they score on their first drive and maybe this game's even worse. So again, we can butterfly affect it all we want, but you keep doing this over and over and it's going to cost you. Yeah. Just real quick. You, you reading those stats off. I'm, I'm with Perry. You've made me feel worse uh, as, as bad of, of a defensive effort as we knew it was. When you read those stats back a couple hours removed, man, it still sounds pretty freaking bad. So Defense was was disappointing. You mentioned the one punt, also the one interception, so I'm going to call it two, right? There's a team that yep. punted seven times a week ago against the Carolina Panthers. The Packers yep. are better than the Panthers. Uh, one punt, one interception, unacceptable. And we haven't really hit on it. I know you mentioned it in passing, but two dropped INTs, including one that probably should have been a pick six by Jair, was was disappointing. Um, but but other than that, I think I think you, you hit everything else uh, on the negative side. I do think I think Tyler Algier makes the play on Jair. I think they get the ball right around the same spot if he picks that off. Even if not, if you want to look at it like the Quay missed pick and the Jair missed pick, I think they score touchdowns on the subsequent drives anyway. So yeah, we could butterfly effect this all day. We're not going right. to, but um, just not good enough. Just not not good enough. All right, let's try to flip it around. Let's talk about some things that went right in this game. Let's start with Jordan Love, which uh, is an interesting Rorschach test for how people feel coming out of this game. 14 for 25, not a great percentage, 151 yards, not great in yardage, three touchdowns, no picks. That's great. One of those passing touchdowns is basically a handoff to Jaden Reed, but still three touchdowns, no picks. You had the two big pass interference plays that I mentioned, which adds like 80 yards to it, um, you know, which, which would have definitely skewed the, the yardage numbers a little bit through three quarters. I think this is the same sort of litmus test, right? Through three quarters, you're feeling really, really good about Jordan Love. Made some really big touchdown throws and, and looked calm, composed throughout the entirety of it. Fourth quarter, had some opportunities, missed some throws, couldn't get the, you know, had the weird QB sneak issue, mm -hmm. couldn't get the team going when the game is on the line, down by one point, need a field goal, couldn't pick up a first down. So kind of the same as the, the rest of the team where three quarters good, one quarter not so good, but I'm still kind of pretty optimistic from this performance overall. But Perry, I'll start with you. Yeah, I actually don't attribute this loss to Jordan Love at all. Um, I, I think he did everything he that was asked of him. And again, like on that final drive with 54 seconds left, like, do you hope that he has like a completion? He can get them down the field. Sure. But that's something that is going to take time. And it's not just on him. It's on the receivers as well. Like, are they running the right routes? You know, you can really only go to the sidelines in that in that instance as well so like it really limits what you're able to do Th that's growing pains to me I don't think they should have ever been in that position in the first place if we had seen Jordan Love drive the field for the winning field goal I would have been like we're done here we have him um I hope that one day and some point this season there are going to be drives where he can show us that he can do that because he's going to need to do that right fourth mm -hmm. quarter comeback drives he made some really nice throws. I think his demeanor above all else just continues to impress me. He never ever seems unfazed and the Falcons brought some way more pressure than the bears did in this game. And he had guys in his face unfazed. Um, I love to see him spread the ball around seven of his play players, seven of the offensive players 
um, got catches in this game. So he's spreading the ball around and kind of making defenses be like, well, he's going to hit everybody. So we got to cover everybody. Just like there's still a lot of good there. Um, you want, you want more yardage and you want them to pick up some first downs in the fourth quarter. But overall, I'm, I'm just, I'm still feeling okay about, I'm feeling good about love. And I don't think that he lost them this game. Alex. Yeah, I, I would agree. I love love. Um, eight quarters of football, six touchdowns, no interceptions, almost one today, but it's, it wasn't caught. So zero interceptions through two games. I think that, that if I would have told you that, what, three weeks ago, we'd all be like, hell yeah, we'll take that. Six touchdowns and no interceptions through two games. So that's impressive. Uh, I, I, I echo Perry's comments on, on confidence and poise. It's something the three of us have talked about throughout training camp and preseason that that's what we're looking for. And I, through two games, he has totally nailed that, that part of it. Confidence, poise, doesn't overreact, like cool, calm, collected, really like that with him. Um, I'm really happy with where he's at. He, he, I, I, again, I echo Perry. He is not the reason they lost this game today. We've gone over all those reasons. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm feeling really good. I, I, I'm not ready to put the gold jacket on him quite yet. Uh, give me two more weeks and I'll be saying that. But uh, overall, right now, I, I, I do feel really good about his progression and where he's at through two weeks. Yeah, me too. And you go back to that last drive too. Like that throw to Toure on fourth down is a pretty freaking great throw. And mm-hmm. by the way, I think had there not been the penalty, Green Bay gets up and spikes that ball before they review it. Yeah. So like, had you not had the stupid penalty on the outside on a guy that's not even running a route, that's going for a first down anyway, have you not had that? That's a complete pass and a spiked ball and you're still going. So like the, the way that I viewed this game is you're at the point right now with Jordan love still where you're, you're not supposed to be asking him to be the guy that's getting you like parting the seas and bringing the entire team on his back at this point, you're expecting him to be the guy that if he's got the right playmakers around him and the right protection and the right defense and playing complementary football, that he's going to probably pretty easily kind of win you the game in those situations. I had the opportunity at the end. That's something that we talked about those growing pains and you just have to figure out how to get past that. That's going to come with time. Um, But overall, I felt like if the rest of the team played at his level, you, you win this game easily and they just didn't. And that's kind of where I'm at. I like this performance overall. I'm very, very happy with where Jordan's, Jordan Love is at through through two weeks so far. I agree with you. I will. I got a shout out. I don't remember who he was throwing to, but he had this gorgeous, gorgeous, like would have been, couldn't have placed it any better back of the corner of the end zone mm-hmm. pass that AJ That's Terrell broke up. Yeah. And that was just simply like AJ Terrell being a great cornerback. But like, those are the moments where you're like, okay, it's not going to show up on the stat sheet because it was a PBU, but like he clear, he, he has something that you get excited about and against a different corner, you know, that's a touchdown. So I agree with you, Andy, like putting the team on his back and taking 54 seconds to drive down the field. Like we're very used to that, right? Our quarterback, our last quarterback, that was his bread and butter. Like you think about all the ways that Aaron Rodgers used to do that stuff. We have to understand that Jordan Love is going to take time to be able to successfully lead those drives. Great yeah, point. with Dontavian Wicks on that play too. Like, not not expecting him to do this, but like, it's the it, there is some value to flashing late hands. Like, you can see he's like kind of going up for it, like the and then Terrell just like pop. Um, so like maybe if at the end like he's just kind of tracking, then boop, like Devonte Adams would do. Um, maybe things could have been a little bit different, but uh, 
That's why Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams and Dontavian Wicks is Dontavian Wicks as a rookie. But um, overall, I think there's still some some key takeaways. I thought Kenny Clark had some really amazing moments in this game. I thought Razul had another really nice game overall, in, not even just including the interception. But he played really well. Young playmakers, Musgrave had a couple moments. Wicks had a couple moments. Reed had a couple moments. Um, and you just love to see those guys continue to progress. I thought Darnell Savage played physical to, you know, football again. Probably as we go back and my guess is look at the, the all 22 again, probably not like an A plus performance, but a winning performance, it would be my guess. And like seeing him fly around the football and make some big hits again. So some positives to take away from this one as well. Any other positives that you guys wanted to go over? I think they need to target Luke Musgrave more. I, I, I was expecting totally. more based on preseason. And again, like who knows what they're seeing on the field, et cetera. But like he gets the ball and he can move. Like I, every time he gets the ball, he's he's doing something positive with it so i hope they target him more not not just target they need to scheme him more meaning like like they need to run their plays that are designed to get to him i thought with troy anderson being out and the linebackers that were in this game i thought there was a lot of opportunity to go to musgrave we saw the little misdirection where he gets out in the flat he catches and he's you know bringing it for 20 yards that's the stuff the misdirection and Part of that is it's tough to get to your play action game if you're not running the football well. Like it's it just it makes it a little bit more complicated. But you gotta you gotta call some more stuff for that guy. He's too talented not to. Probably, probably your most talented offensive player with with uh, Watson out. I'm not saying your best, but probably your most talented. Like either way, with Watson and Jones out, excuse me. But like at least in the conversation, yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I think they needed to scheme him a little bit more. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd just go further and say all the young pass catchers. We mentioned Reed, we mentioned Wicks, we, we, and obviously Musgrave. He is really quick for being as big as he is, and I know that's something we, we talked a lot about in the preseason, but totally agree with you on that, Perry. But, yeah, I mean, when you have your top four, as I, as I called them earlier, offenders outside of Jordan Love not on the field, uh, I thought this offense looked really good at, at certain times in this game. So encouraging signs from, from all the young pass catchers, really. Yeah, very much so. All right, let's talk about the adding injury to insult. Uh, Elton Jenkins leaves the game with a knee injury. Sounds like it's an MCL sprain. Probably the best case scenario, given how his knee was rolled up on and how he you know, went out of the game and didn't come back, but probably going to be some time there, which is frustrating. Uh, Lucas Van Ness leaves with an elbow injury. He does not return to the game at any point after that I saw. I was watching for it on the rewatch and did not see him ever go back in the game. That's a frustrating injury as well because he had some moments early in that game. You just don't want to get to the point where, you know, we're going to be showing up on Wednesday to practice and it's the first guys you're looking for are David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, Elton Jenkins, Lucas Van Ness. Like that is, is, that's, that's a lot to make up for on a young team like this. So um, frustrating to say the least that those are the two guys that go out injured, but it's next guy up and we'll see what uh, you know, ends up coming of the guys who were out in this game. Hopefully they were being cautious and Jones and Watson and Bakhtiari are able to make it back this week. And hopefully LVNs isn't anything long-term you go into it with just missing Jenkins. You can get through that, but it's going to be interesting to see the injury report through the course of this week. My hunch is that they're being cautious given the Packers schedule because they are going to play three games in 12 days. And, you know, as Alex alluded to earlier, I think Saints and Lions, especially Lions being a division game, just like being very key to win. Um, Elvian, it looked like he got hurt on, he just got like popped, like he hit an offensive player um, and just like 
bad angle. So I'm really hopeful that that's not anything serious. I saw him go. I, originally, I thought it was his shoulder. When they saw his elbow, I was a little, little confused. But yeah, I mean, the list is getting longer and it's still very early in the season. Um, this is football, right? Like you watch around the league and every team is banged up because that's just the name of the game. But I think good teams find a way to stay healthy. Yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap up with this and we'll maybe do a quick, a couple of quick ones after this. But I think probably the one conversation we haven't had today that's been a very big topic in Hackerland has been the situation with David Bakhtiari, which Matt LaFleur wanted nothing to do with after in the post-game press conference talking about at all. Um, you can tell he's frustrated to some extent. And maybe he was just being frustrated with being asked about it. I think he's frustrated with the situation. I'm sure Bakhtiari's frustrated with it. Um, that's a really important football player for this team. I do think that, you know, he missed, I think, just the one game last year against New York. Somebody brought it. He did, I don't think he missed Washington, did he? Um, but either way, he didn't miss much time up until the appendectomy with the knee injury. Um, hopefully this is just the one game and that that's it. And he can go the rest of the year, but, um, I, I don't know what to make of it at this point. And I know people are like, there's already like the trade David, like nobody's trading for David Bakhtiari at that contract with that knee. You don't know if he's going to play any week, much less, you know, uh, any significant period of time. So there's no, there's no trade that's going to happen there. They're certainly not going to cut him. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I, I, you know, I understand the frustration with it. That's for sure. He didn't miss yeah, I, oh, the Washington game. He missed. So he missed Washington. He did not miss the the Giants game last year. So just one with the knee last year because the so, well, so he missed the first two, which he was still recovering from. Then he played right. three, four, five, six. Uh, missed Washington in seven. Played eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Then missed 13, 14, 15, 16 with the appendectomy, then played 17 and 18. So the only thing he missed after coming back. So if you consider week one and two, him still like that was still on his recovery phase. Once he came back in week three last year, he only missed one game last year with the knee injury. The rest, there was a four game stretch with the appendectomy. So if this is that one game this year, like if we would, if we could have signed up, without knowing ahead of time for like 14 games of Bakhtiari going into this year, you would have probably been like, sign me the hell up. I'll take that right now. So if this is one of the three, not a big deal. If it ends up being like he plays six games, seven games, a much bigger deal. But I, I, I certainly understand the frustration for people. I, I, everyone, 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 everyone is frustrated by it. Bakhtiari is frustrated by it. The Packers are frustrated by it. Fans are frustrated by it. Nobody is winning this. And, and yeah. It just sucks all the way around. It's exactly what I was going to say. Everybody's pissed off about it, and rightfully so. It sucks. Uh, I don't know what you can do if it's a turf thing. I don't think they play, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, if, you know, I don't think they play on turf again for like two months. So I, I don't know. It's it's just strange. LaFleur's response uh, after the game, I, I, I'm surprised he wasn't ready for that question. But other than that, uh, it, yeah, it sucks. I, here's Here's the thing that's weird. Because he's frustrated that he keeps getting asked about it when they've been pretty clear that this is just going to be the situation with Bakhtiari mm -hmm. moving forward. And I, I, to some extent, had this just been the like sort of normal status quo of like this is what you're going to get out of Bakhtiari, I, I understand it. When when he keeps get, you know when he keeps getting asked about it on practice every day, when it's like he's just not going to practice, guys. Like I get it. I get why he would be frustrated. Of like, guys, why are you still asking if Bakhtiari is going to practice or not? This we've told you that this is going to be the case. He's probably not going to practice very often. That I can get. When he doesn't play in a game, 
And that's not the norm. Like that didn't happen. That only happened once last year because of the knee last year, they didn't play. So it's a fair question to ask about it at that point of like what happened in this specific situation that he couldn't go in this game. So to just not be transparent about it of like, yeah, it flared up a little bit or yep. No, it's the same thing, but you know, this game, he wasn't, like you have to answer the question. You should answer the question in some capacity. So the frustration on any normal practice day, or if it's like a game of like, you know, whatever, but like not playing that's different. And he, to me, there should have been a better answer there. Anyway. All right. Final things. NFC North goes 0 four on the day. If there's one or 0 and four on the week, I guess, since Minnesota played on Thursday, but feels like a missed opportunity, but at the same time, you don't lose ground to anyone, I guess. So it is what it is. Saints will play on Monday night football. So we'll get an opportunity to watch the saints play six days before they come to Lambeau. It also means that they will have back-to-back games um, on the road. And it starts with Carolina on the road on Monday night and then green Bay on the road next week. If you don't know green Bay, just plays whoever at uh, Carolina plays the week before all year long. I'm just kidding. That's not really <laughs> the case, but that'd be amazing. Uh, but no, it'll be fun to watch saints Panthers on Monday night football, see what they have and um, you know, see how they make it through that game. And then we'll get into Sunday, which right now the Packers open as two point favorites. Final thoughts, Perry Goldstein. I'm going to stick with the way I felt going into this conversation because I felt like this was very, very enlightening. Always great talking about the game with you guys. But I just something about the fact that this was winnable makes me feel better about the status of this team moving forward. Right. You're not hopefully going to have another game missing all the weapons that we listed that weren't playing. Um there's a ton to learn from, which I think really early on in the season is always a good thing if you, as long as you, you know, learn from it, take action, change, et cetera. Um, but they were in it, right? They're, they're going to be in games and there just are going to be some with this team that they lose close games and that really sucks and is unfortunate. But I liked seeing them win and battle until literally the clock was at zero. Um, the way they bounce back on Sunday uh, next Sunday against the Saints going to be huge. I will be in attendance, so I'm expecting a W. Um, but I still feel very good about this team, and I think they're still in a in a good place for for week two. Plus 17 point differential through two games on the road. One basically seven of the eight quarters fell apart in one quarter, and they're going to have to learn from it. It yeah. is what it is with a young team. Alex, final thoughts? Yeah, I, I think you guys summed it up perfectly. It's it's. I'm a little bit sour, but uh, for an episode where I started talking about moral victories and then it became the longest episode in the history of us three recording together, uh, clearly it's it's uh, more than moral victories. But through two weeks, I'm, I'm impressed with Jordan Love. That remain, remains the number one thing on my what is this list for 2023? What is Jordan Love? Right now, I think he's a, a competent, serviceable, good quarterback through two games. So that's where he's at. Defense pissed me off today, but uh, I'm sure that won't be the last time I say that this year. I like how you guys both started very positive and I was able to drag you down through the course of the episode for the most part. So you're, you're welcome for that. So much for Packers therapy. I ruined your night overall, but um, no, I, I, I agree with both of you. I think there's some positives still to take away from this team through two weeks. Certainly some things I have to learn from, and that is what we knew and expected going into the season. So don't be super surprised. It's going to happen continuously through the course of this year. There's going to be some moments where you think this is a playoff team that can win, maybe even playoff games. There's going to be moments where you're like, what, it, what, why, why, how, when, how, when, how, like, it's just going to be, mm-hmm. it's going to be a mess at times. So 
You guys are the absolute best. Uh, shout out to all our Hall of Fame and All Pro members here on the Packer Day Podcast YouTube channel. Most hated Minnesota, TJ Wynn, John Wild, Shea Bradad, Arnaldo Espinosa, Jennifer Wright, and of course Boom Handle. No, you like Boom Handle, Alex Strofe. I think that's your handle, actually. Is what? Yeah, that's me. That's me. That's my burner. That is you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Perry. You can follow her on Twitter at Perry Goldstein. Perry underscore Goldstein. Almost screwed it up. Perry, where can we uh, follow the rest of your work? Um, follow Packs what she said on. Uh, Twitter, and uh, you can follow, listen to us on any of your audio streaming platforms. We're also now on YouTube, so go subscribe to Pax What She Said YouTube. You're going to be able to watch all our episodes, video version, a la Pack-A-Day, kind of. Um, as you're watching here, I talk with my hands. I do some really, really weird, funny things behind the scenes when I record with Maggie, so enjoy that. But YouTube, Pax What She Said. We always do. Alex, you can follow him at Alex underscore Strofe. Where can we find the rest of your work, Sir Alex? On the YouTube channel, Boom Handle. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I decided <laughs> it was finally time to uh, also launch a podcast. Mr. Relevant with Alex Strofe. Three episodes every week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Have Saints linebacker Zach Bond coming up on Wednesday. So we'll get a little uh, behind enemy territory. Scouting report with Zach Bond coming up on Wednesday. But you can find it also uh, wherever you get any of your podcasts. Quick competing with Pack a Day, YouTube jerks. <laughs> <laughs> So enough of that. Uh, no, <laughs> definitely go follow both of their work. They're absolutely phenomenal. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. That'll do it for us. It'll be two and one a week from now. Alex and Perry, I'll talk to you guys in two weeks when the Packers are three and one. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.